thank you that you are here among us, that as we've already been singing and praying and calling on your name and hearing um, amazing stories of what you've done in other people's lives, um, I ask that as we turn to the scripture that you would help us engage with your truth and apply it. I thank you for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, what you see on the screen is our stated purpose as a church, our big three, connect, grow, share. We're here to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share his love. Let's, last Sunday, I think I was under 10 minutes in total. Let's turn back to Luke 19 and uh, reread the story that we picked up on last Sunday. Luke chapter 19, the first 10 verses. All right. Everybody there? Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Now, this is Dr. Luke writing, and I think it's helpful for us to get a little context. In Luke 1, 1, you see the purpose of the letter. Luke is writing, uh, in particular for those that are followers of Jesus, that they would have a careful account of what happened with Jesus on the earth so that they would be confident in what they believe. That's the purpose of this writing, Okay. So let's, uh, let's have a look here. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he was Russell Wilson. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, come down quick I, I must be a guest in your home today Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy but the people were displeased he was gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner they grumbled meanwhile Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord and if I've cheated anyone on their taxes I will give them back four times as much and a great cheer went up from the crowd Jesus responded salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost amen, amen to God's word now last Sunday we focused a little bit on Zacchaeus's perspective uh, in this story we talked to give you a little bit of context it was a mini message because we were celebrating our fifth anniversary and the end of the fast and everything and having a good time. But in focusing on that, we got to remember, this is a person who felt like they were far from God, untouchable, unreachable, right? A betrayer, right? Somebody who, as ethnically a Jew in Roman-occupied Jewish country, had betrayed his own people, Right? had betrayed his own people to buy the rights to collect taxes from that city and had gotten rich from it. Now, I've known a few people that work from the IRS. None of them were rich. So he's dirty. He's done dirty, right? And not only that, he is hungry. He is spiritually hungry. And there are people that you know, and they might be penniless or they might be rich. And at one point, I met the third wealthiest man in the world. You might meet someone who is poor, someone who is rich, but they might be declaring that they've got it all, that they have everything that they set out to get, and yet it is not enough. 
See, what happens when you get what you wanted and it's not enough? So Jesus is, and remember, one of the things we talk about is that everything about Jesus informs us about God, right? Everything about Jesus informs us about God. And Jesus goes where the church people didn't want to go, right? Jesus goes where the church people didn't want to go, to that guy's house. Why? Why does he do that? Now what I want to do is I want to kind of turn your attention to Dr. Luke's perspective, to the perspective of the followers to whom Jesus makes this very informative statement, and I want to connect it with two other of Jesus' statements, move kind of quickly and give you something to think about today, right? Because my hope, like Justin referred to earlier, is that when you leave today, you leave today with something to think about and something to do. Does that sound good? Some of you are still waking up. It's okay. I love you. All right. Now, Jesus says that his purpose, his purpose is to seek and save the lost. Now, he could have just said, this is what I do. This is what only I do. He doesn't do that. He makes it an informative, a teaching, and Luke describes it very, very specifically because it's informative. It has purpose. It brings clarity, right? My purpose is to seek and save the lost. Why would we see Zacchaeus runs and he climbs a tree? Now, men of business, men of importance, men that had titles didn't run anywhere in this culture. They would never run in public, right? They're not a Rich Eisen doing the 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine, right? They're not going to run in their suit. But there is a desperation There is a spiritual hunger. And the fact of the matter is that Jesus comes for those who are spiritually hungry, right? And that is for the person that is broadcasting all the time that they don't believe there is a God. That is for the person that is pursuing um, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Satanism. We got all that in this neighborhood, right? That is for people that are pursuing spiritual endeavors through drugs, through sexual contact. There's all kinds of people that are spiritual, that are seeking, that are seeking something spiritual, seeking to be spiritually satisfied. Jesus says, I come for that person. And it's a caution to any church folk to not get high and mighty, but instead to see the purpose that Jesus is on. I want to look, connect what Jesus says with two other sections that we refer to often here that I think are really important. Jesus says, I'm here to seek and save the lost. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, you don't have time to read the whole thing. Somebody comes and says, yo, Jesus, what's the most important thing in the book? And this is what Jesus says. There are two. Love God with all you've got and love your neighbor the same way you take care of yourself. So that says to me that the most important thing that the good book has to say is that I should not be me-focused. It's not all about me. It's not all about me. Right? Now, for me personally, as a kid, 
I suffered sexual abuse at the hands of other kids, never thought of myself as having been abused because it wasn't an adult. Years and years go by and I'm reading a book trying to help some other men with sexual addiction and all of a sudden it opens up to me that I had the same symptoms of somebody that was sexually abused. And a part of what came along with that was great dysfunction and how I viewed myself and also a, 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 um, pausing my emotional development hit pause in adolescence. And there was a certain aspect of me that stayed self-centered that never grew up past a certain point because a part of my identity, how I viewed myself was damaged. And because I, it was damaged and I came to Jesus and I didn't see, I, I, I couldn't ever fully come to a point of recognizing where I was broken. And it wasn't until I came to another, a, a deeper state of recognizing where I was broken, where I could allow God to come in and bring healing. And through, through the same principles that are used in Celebrate Recovery, um, was able to kind of come to a place of greater healing and then stop being so self-centered. Listen, why do I say that? Because that some of you are uncomfortable right now. I apologize. I'm describing my journey to try to help you. There are many different ways that we get broken. Many different ways that we get broken. And what happens when we get broken is we have a human nature. And that human nature was affected by Adam and Eve and the sin. And when the human nature gets twisted, which is where we get the word perversion. Perversion means twisting. A twisting of the truth. God created us with identity. His kids bearing His image. Beautiful. Amazing. And through sin, we get twisted. We get broken. And what happens a lot of times when we get broken is we will twist to be self-protecting. Right? And we do that in different ways. Sometimes it's withdrawing. Sometimes it's putting ourselves out there more and putting on a good front. We do a lot of different ways, right? Am I speaking the truth? Right? To kind of hide, to deal, to cope, to heal ourselves. Well, God's not asking you to fix yourself and then come to Him. He wants you to come to Him broken, just as you are. So He can heal you. So He can make it right. Right? That's why we know that we're broken when Jesus' words, wait, what's the most important thing in the book? Love God with all you've got. Who? I don't know. I like my Netflix therapy time. I like my this. I like my that. Right? It's all about me. It's never been more all about me than it is right here, right now in the great old U.S. of A. Right? Love God with all you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. Woo! Now he's talking crazy. You want me to love somebody else that I don't know the same way I take care of myself? But he doesn't stop there. After he was executed by the Roman professionals, put to death, put on trial for something he did not do, wrongfully accused, betrayed by his closest of his closest. After he goes through all of that, pays the price, put to death, tortured for your sin, comes back to life on the third day. 500 people see him. They're following him. 40 days of walking around with Jesus who has come back from the dead, come up out of the grave. Somebody, you're getting ready for Easter just yet. After he comes back to life 
And he's been preparing them. Now, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm sending another who's going to guide you, who's going to comfort you. Before he does his Iron Man lift off the planet, he says this to them. In Matthew chapter, that should be 28. I put 29. You forgive my typo? Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Go! And if I were today to translate the street Greek that Jesus says, this is how I would translate it. Go and urge as many people as possible, people from every ethnicity, go and urge them to become followers of me and teach them what I taught you. That's what he says. He doesn't say that to the rock stars. Do you notice this, right? He could have said, okay, Peter, James, John, this is what I want you to do. The rest of y'all just follow them. He could have said that. And in America, that's how we take it, right? We show up on Sunday to an attend an event and just watch none of you, of course. But uh, most, most people, that's I'm just i going to show up at an event and hey, as long as there's somebody in my neighborhood that's doing my, that Jesus thing, I'm all right. Right? But it doesn't engage me. No, Jesus didn't say, hey, Peter, James, John, you do this. And Andrew and Thomas, no, Thomas, I remember you doubted me. And Andrew, you got issues. And he didn't say that. He said to all that were gathered there, go and urge as many people as possible to come to me. Now, what the heck do I do with Jesus' words? Right? In the real world. Can we just be real? In the real world, what do I do with that? So I want to zero in. I'll do half this week. I think we'll do the second half next week. How do I, as a follower of Jesus, respond to his words to try to help lead others? Because actually, the church has gotten it all twisted. Discipleship is not about taking a class. It's not about content delivery. We certify you. Now you're a disciple of Christ. No, that does not a faithful interpretation of Jesus' words. A faithful interpretation of Jesus' words about discipleship, about leading others, is before they are believers of Jesus and after they are believers in Jesus. That's what he's actually talking about. So we've got to ask ourselves this question. How do we follow Jesus in the way... I'm sorry, this is... Okay. How do we follow Jesus in this way of seeking and saving the lost? I thought that was just for the professional Christians. I thought that was just for the crazy ones, the ones that have loud personalities like like PB. No. There is something practical. And I want... Listen. Earlier this morning, right? We had... Somebody was parked in such a way that if they stayed there, they would have gotten a ticket. So what did I do? I told them. I said, hey, you know, you gotta you got to move your car... Uh, so you don't get a ticket. I don't see him here, so I won't say his name. If and just somebody that I know, somebody that's in the room here with me, you're like, hey, you know, you gotta you gotta park different, otherwise you're gonna get a ticket. If I didn't tell him, and you know, you know, they write tickets on this street, right? If I didn't tell him, that would be cruel. You don't think so? <laughs> if I didn't tell him, that would be cruel. And yet that's how we live around people that are not believers of Jesus. They are going to hell.
If God hadn't revealed Himself through His Son, come down to live among us, if God hadn't spoken with the mouth, received questions, answered questions, if God hadn't paid a price, He would have been cruel. If God hadn't made a way to heaven that anyone, no matter where they were born, no matter how much money they have, no matter how short or how long their life, that anyone could come to the Father, He would be cruel. But He is not cruel. He has made a way. So I have to stop and put myself in Luke's shoes. I'm not that smart, so I'll go with like, uh, I don't know, one of the other ones. Andrew, maybe. Right? So I put myself in Andrew's shoes and how would I feel? Because I remember at 16, after a few weeks of kind of realizing what this forgiveness of sins meant in my own life, after having seen some people die, some friends in jail, after having been suicidal, after having gone through some stuff at 16 years old, I remember this like, okay, this Jesus thing is for real. This is life-changing. Like, I'm forgiven. I'm, I'm clean. I don't have to walk around with my past. I don't have to walk around. Even though some people look at me a certain way and different people gave up on me, God hasn't given up on me. And I remember what that felt like, right? Like, okay, I'm forgiven. I'm, I'm clean. So what do I do? That's a part of this question. How do we follow Jesus in this seeking and saving the lost? So today, I want to, in five minutes, talk about these simple points. One, follow Jesus yourself. Two, be available. Be available for the people that are in your life. And that means that sometimes this, this has got to go here. Be available. Ask questions and listen. Just real quick, how do I follow Jesus myself? Well, first of all, I've got to have faith in Jesus that He is who He said He is. And second, I've got to live out of a thank you. If your life is miserable, it may be that you're approaching God or Jesus through religion and not a relationship. It's okay. Be honest. Tell somebody, get some help, grab a purple book, let's go back to zero. Like, seriously, if you're dry, if you are worn out, if this Jesus thing is miserable, then you don't have a relationship with Him, or your relationship with Him is really, really broken. You're trying to get yourself right instead of coming to Him and realizing He's made you right. See, my life should be, I'm living out of a thank you. Thank you for saving me. No one should need to invite you to come to prayer or to small group. It's like, I will do whatever. Because Jesus. Because Jesus. Because thank you. My whole life is a thank you. Whatever. Whatever you want, God. Thank you. And what that results in is life change. John himself writes 1 John 2 about the fact that if we're not seeking to then do what he told us to do, if we're not actually changing the way that we behave, then we are not a follower of Jesus at all. See, life change that you heard Justin talk about, that you heard Holly talk about, life change is the imperative, must. It is the absolute thing that always happens with anyone who is a follower of Jesus. Not because they're trying, because they can't help it. Your life changes. What it should be 
And I'm in that Old Testament part of my read through the Bible in a year plan. And sometimes that's, whoo, Leviticus 20. <laughs> right? But what we see is that Jesus is revealed in every book of the Bible. And one of the things that we see through the amazing narrative in the first five books of the Bible is God setting the stage for the promised land, which is an example to us of salvation, because God is wanting us to enter into a place of rest. Rest. Your salvation, your Sabbath today, your Sabbath, your weekly day to rest and worship is this weekly reminder that you are not to strive You are not to stress it. You are not to force it. You're to come to a place of dependence on Him and rest in your salvation. That even when you're not good enough, He is good enough. That even when you're broken and you mess up, heaven is your home. That... Okay, anxiety, middle of the night. What's the worst thing that could possibly happen, right? you got to ask yourself that question so that then you can apply the grace of Jesus to that question and say, well, if that's what does happen to me, flesh eating, whatever, whatever, disease, the rest of my life, no one will look at me and all that other stuff, at least I'm going to heaven. Right? Sometimes asking a depressing question is the path to joy. If you got the right answers, it's the bedrock. <laughs> I'm living out of a thank you. There's a rest and salvation. And you see the Sam or Sam it definition of faith. See what God sees. Agree with him and move in that direction. See, if you are following Jesus yourself, Sam it. Give me my Sam sandwich. Right? You see what God sees, agree with Him and move in that direction. If you're doing that, then somebody else is going to be attracted to that. Did you notice in the Gospel accounts that before Jesus did His first miracle, that before He did any teaching, before He went to the cross, people liked being around Him. People that were far from God. Not the church folks. They liked being around Him. If I roll into the bar, do people like being around me? If I'm a Jesus follower, the answer should be yes. Yes. If I'm religion and dry and crusty, the answer will always be no. The answer should be yes. People want to be around you. So be available. I love this. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., one of his mentors, a pastor, Dr. Herman uh, Howard Thurman. That was funny. Dr. Howard Thurman said this, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who can come alive. This wasn't some yoga teacher with seven blog followers. This was a pastor. And let me just, let me, hey, yoga's good. I'm not, I'm not bashing yoga, please. Okay. I'm just saying that that sounds a little almost new agey, that quote, right? But let me talk to you about what he's talking about. God created you with certain likes and dislikes. Like, I like football. I could talk about it for hours. Trust me. Right? You have certain likes and dislikes. 
And your certain likes and dislikes can be a bridge that can help bring the payload of Jesus' truth and grace across to somebody else. Because when you come alive, when you find something that you like doing, the community garden, the white lock garden, if you need something to do, you need to help Justin with this garden. It is awesome. The farm manager is amazing. Justin and Becky are amazing. Everybody from the drug dealer to the rabbi, of which I've met both in their neighborhood, knows them, right? So if you, you want to learn how to have green thumbs, find what you enjoy and come alive. Because there are people that are not yet believers in Jesus around you that are waiting for you to come alive. And when you know the things that you enjoy that are easy access points, it is a way for you to be available for them. Jesus liked to tell stories and Jesus liked to hear stories. Ask people questions. And when you ask questions, listen, right? Ask people questions and listen. Ask them good questions. You know, there's a difference between good questions and bad questions. Closed questions are questions with a yes or no answer or something like your birth date. Open questions are the opposite of that, where it gets somebody talking. Use open questions. Be genuinely interested in somebody else. If you're genuinely interested in somebody else, they will notice And this is something Ben Farrow and I have talked about a fair amount. Sam Chand has a quote that expresses something that we've been trying to do in our own relationships. Here is in the word heart. Culture changes when we begin to hear another person's person's heart through their story. Are you hearing? Are you listening? We'll close with giving you this, this prayer. God, without you I'm lost. I receive your love for me, your salvation. Please help me live my life as a thank you for all that you've done. God, thank you for the people that you have put in my life. Please help me to relate to them with your love. Hey, just bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment, please. God, I thank you so very much that you did not ask us to save the world or be perfect. I thank you so very much that your call to us is simple, to love you with all we've got and love others, to urge others to be followers of you. Lord, we we don't know what to do. We don't have what it takes. But God, we're willing to come to you to confess our need, confess our failures, receive your forgiveness, and ask you, what do you want us to do? I thank you for it. I thank you for it. That you don't ask us to live a lonely, solitary life, and that you don't ask us to do this in our own strength, but to do it out of your strength. I thank you for that today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad that you're here. Just want to remind you, uh, today's songs, every Sunday, put up on the screen, the songs are singing. We have on YouTube, we post it on social media on a regular basis. There's a YouTube playlist where the songs that we sing on Sunday, you can listen to them, kind of get, get used to them. Did you think the band, uh, weren't you thankful for the band playing today? Oh, yeah. yeah.